The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Today we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that is data. Now, before you turn off the podcast, this should be an important topic for you as well. Understanding the market, understanding what is going on with the state of Christian publishing is key to success. You don't want to be blind to the world around you. And one of the ways to understand what's going on around you is to look at the data, what is popular, what the trends are, uh, what's uh, not popular, what's growing in popularity, etc. And to help me with this, we have Alex Newton uh, on the line. He's the founder of Klytics, which is a leading market research resource for authors and publishers uh, to help them understand the market, what's going on. So this is the kind Kind of data that publishers are looking at, savvy publishers are looking at. And if you want to know what the publishers are looking at, you will want to listen to this episode. Now, I will say we're going to be focusing on Christian fiction today, not Christian nonfiction. So if you are writing nonfiction, if you want to skip this episode, you won't hurt my feelings. But if you are a novelist, do not turn it off. <laughs> so Alex is based in Germany. He's got 20 years of experience uh, doing consulting, market consulting for very wealthy companies. And he has switched to working with authors, which we're very thankful for. And his company, Klytics, focuses on the Amazon market and specifically the Amazon ebook market, which is where we get some of our best data. So Alex, welcome to the Christian Publishing Show. Well, thank you very much, Thomas. Thank you for having me, and hello, everyone. So I, I should ask uh, right here at the beginning, what is Klytics and what does the K stand for? <laughs> well, Klytics, very simple, stands for Kindle, and the Lytics stands for Analytics. So originally it was called Kindle Lytics, but, you know, wanted to avoid a trademark lawsuit <laughs> on day one. So four years ago when we started out, we said, it's Klytics, and it's it's been the name ever since. That's great. So tell tell me a little bit about what Klytics does uh, for authors. Before we get into some of your uh, findings, kind of give us a big picture of what Klytics is for people who've never heard of it. Totally. I mean, in essence, what we try to do is to help publishers and authors to take better and faster publishing decisions. So what do I mean by publishing decisions is basically, you know, deciding uh, about your book projects and helping you with if you already have an existing pro a project tailored more towards what the market is receptive for. And if you don't have a project yet, it's, it's plainly telling you, well, what are those market segments, in this case, within Christian fiction, which is a va very vast market, where you basically have the highest demand that comes at the lowest degree of competition, if you will. So, you know, the least amount of number of titles, the least number of competing authors. And in that way, we basically bring a bit of a, like an, an economic point of view or business point of view to the, to the arts. It's for me a bit, I was recently in a conference and the, the topic which we em embraced it was where science meets the arts, right? And that, that's in essence what we do. And this is, this is really key. And it doesn't have to change your book uh, that much. If you think of it in terms of a real life bookstore, you're writing a novel and there's two or three shelves you could put this novel on. You could put it on the Christian romance shelf. You could put it on the current issue shelf, or maybe you can put it on the, you know, 
uh, women's fiction shelf and, and knowing which shelf is more popular, right? Which shelf has more people who walk into the store and go to that shelf and look for a book, but also knowing which shelf is more crowded. Uh, so there, you, there may be a shelf and it's got, you know, 10,000 books in it and another shelf only has a thousand books in it. It's a lot easier to make a name for yourself in that less uh, crowded bookshelf, especially on Amazon, where if you're number one, you get that badge. If you're number one in any category, you're always shown as number one bestseller, which really looks good. It gives a lot of credibility. And there are categories on Amazon. I was looking through your report that there are only 100, 200 books in the entire category. Which means to be a number one bestseller, you only need to outsell 100, 200 other books, which when most categories have tens of thousands of books in them, that is a huge difference and uh, a really important thing to think about. A lot of authors are like, I'm just going to write the book that's on my heart, the story that God has given me, and I'm not going to care about the market. And the problem with that is that publishers care about the market. They want to publish books that people want to read. And you, hopefully, are wanting to write a book that people want to read. And the nice thing about this data is it gives you an idea of what people want uh, to read. Exactly. And I, I just wanted to chime in and say, uh, publishers look at the data and, you know, authors look at it, hybrid authors, indie authors, or those looking for a traditional publisher. And the data can usually help you to basically also make your own business case or you know if you pitch to a publisher uh, i mean you can even argue or to your agent look here we're uh, i'm writing here in the highest growing segment you know it's not overly crowded it's a big new trend and uh, that can be very useful for you the publishers look at the data and uh, well it, it is a market. Books are being sold. So you have the laws of su supply and demand at work. Um, even, you know, in the arts, uh, a Mozart was faced with this issue, as was a Leonardo da Vinci. You know, if people don't pay for the work, well, you have a problem. That's right. And I will say somebody who gets many, many proposals sent to him every day. It's very obvious that very few of the authors sending me proposals have access to the data or really have any awareness of how popular various categories are, various books are. Uh, they may be vaguely aware that a certain book is a bestseller, but they don't know how well that book is selling. And I do want to ask about Amazon in particular. What are some important facts that authors need to know about Amazon and about Kindle? What, what makes this platform different from other places people buy books? Well, first of all, when we look at it from a data point of view, we take it a bit like a, um, a representative snapshot of the overall market. And the reason is uh, twofold. One is when it comes to ebooks, then Amazon claims a market share of about 85% of the ebook market. Some claim it is even more by now, right? So if you look at that data, it gives you a very good view on the market. And then if you also look at Amazon uh, and look at the penetration of print books versus ebooks in the different bestseller lists, then you also have to say that the big, big selling genres such as romance, mystery, thriller, suspense, sci-fi and fantasy, also literature and fiction in general, have a very, very high penetration uh, of the ebook format. Audio, obviously growing too, and print is sort of getting squashed in between. And the ebook market gives you the, the best data, so to speak. So if you just look at Christian, the, the Christian market, when people say they, they write Christian fiction or Christian books in general, you, you have to be aware that just on Amazon alone, um, what people often don't know is 
just on Amazon alone, you have 295 book categories, or you can call them subgenres of the Christian book market. And it's about a hundred of those are related to Christian fiction. The rest is Christian nonfiction, which gets very, very granular on, on Amazon. But also in the fiction market, we counted some uh, 100, what, what was it? 102 submarkets in October this year. Um, and they have a vastly differing levels of performance and levels of competition. Even prices differ. And, um, th- that's the starting point. And I think the other starting point, in fact, you have to realize about Amazon is, um, religion and spirituality, when it comes to the dem- demand side of things, religion and spirituality in general, is like the sixth, seventh highest selling category in the Kindle store, right? So it's about the, the big ones are romance, mystery, suspense, uh, sci-fi. And then there is things like teen and young adult and religion and spirituality, biographies and memoirs. They're all sort of the, the, the same order of magnitude. And what's been very interesting about Christian fiction is we've been tracking the bestseller lists of Christian fiction for the last four years now. And if we just look at the longer-term perspective, the religion and spirituality bestseller list has really shown a very nice, you know, subtle upward trend over four years. So it's clearly the fact that, you know, the Christian books are being sold and they're being read on the Kindle platform, and that in turn will partly nurture the print book market as well. They're like mutually, you know, beneficial. And the fact is, within religion, Christian books and Bibles, so the the, the umbrella category is basically very very high selling, and um, it's the biggest the biggest market within that religion and spirituality market is clearly the Christian fiction market. Now, I want to do one clarification when you said print books are getting squashed in between ebooks and audiobooks. We're talking about in fiction specifically. Print books are alive and well in nonfiction, and they're still popular uh, with fiction. They're just not as popular as they were 20 years ago. So before you send me angry letters about how you prefer to read paper, I'm not disputing that. Lots of people prefer to read paper, especially younger people uh, prefer to read paper. But uh, everything else is is very good. And I want to keep digging in on this. Um, so, Alex, what are some of the trends that you've seen in 2018? So we're here. Well, well, when we record this, it's the very end of 2018. So I want to like, what have you seen over the last year? What has gained in popularity? What has lost in popularity? Right. I mean, if we if we do take uh, various bestseller lists as a measure and as you track them over time, um, there's always some out of these 100 and two, you know, that, that, that stand out in a, in a certain way. So for example, very interesting. We had, uh, that's one phenomena in, in the Amazon platform is that they have categories such as religion, spirituality, religious fiction, classics. And it's always funny because they have also classics in other genres, such as romance, such as sci-fi, such as mystery, thriller, suspense. And you would Obviously, assume when you go into the, that type of market, uh, I cannot be in there. But the point is, you can participate in that market because no one defines what a classic is. So we actually found a, a very interesting phenomena that so classics has been on the rise. But if you look in there, it's 
many new and contemporary Christian fiction books. You, you may want to check it out. And I just want to jump in real quick. Are these like indie books where it's an indie author kind of hacking Amazon in the sense that you can put any category on a book? Or are these like traditionally published books where the publisher is like, oh, yeah, this is a classic that's been out for two or three years? Like, how is that? What does that look like? Actually, I would have to look at, I, I would have to look right now, you know, on the list and specifically go through the list, but it's, it's certainly a mix because, uh, um, I mean, definitely for some indie authors, that's a sort of hack that's, that's has been known, right? And, and you do find legitimate classics there as well when we last time checked it out. That's no doubt. Uh, whether the, whether the publishers, the trad publishers consciously decide, I actually doubt it. They're not so much in the category game on, on Kindle yet. And, and, and real quickly, I just want to explain what the category game is. And this, we've, we've kind of hinted at it, but picking competitive categories that are popular can give your book a huge advantage over other books that are equivalent. And this is one of the reasons why indie books have been gaining market share in Amazon specifically. So over the last year in fiction, there's been a drop in traditional publishing and a gain in indie publishing that's significant. Like publishers are actually starting to see the bottom line. It's affecting the overall numbers. And one of the ways that indies are out competing is in uh, this category game. And I give indies maybe six months uh, of being able to continue winning at this. And as the traditional publishers get access to data, like on Klytics and start using it uh, more effectively, they will start playing this game again and the market will rebalance. (laughs) That advantage is going to go away. Uh, But it's one of these kind of like secret hacks that no one talks about. And I wanted you, the listener of the show, to know about these hacks because they still work right now of being you know, creative and putting some thought into it. It's not a hack in that it's against the rules, you know, putting your book in classics, maybe a kind of a, you know, an edge case, but in general, you know, there's five or six categories that could describe your book. Knowing which one is the best one to put your book in really can give your book an advantage. So anyway, I want to go back to the trends real quick. So you're saying classics is on the rise. Is that what, is that what you're saying? So, so, so classics, you know, big time on the rise, but, you know, if, if you go into the more, you know, specific and like really, um, really this, you know, categories that describe certain submarkets, interestingly, uh, religious fiction, biblical fiction has seen over the last 12 months, like an improvement in sales rank of about 50, 50 to 60% in terms of, uh, sales improvement. Now in absolute term, that's significant. That is significant. It is still in absolute terms. It's still one of the smaller segments, but I, you know, if you start tracking the data over you know 18 months you sort of get these things if you um similarly spirituality inspirational you know uh, inspirational fiction in general has seen a significant rise of 50 percent um then we've been looking at um and then you obviously always get the other side of the spectrum as well where you have the exact opposite development so just as an example um Historical religious fiction, you know, pretty much downtrending in 2018. We've seen also there was always a lot of talk about the science fiction, basically Christian science fiction or religious science fiction and fantasy type of novels. Interestingly, they've lost about 50% of their sales rank in, in 2018. So, oh, you you break my heart, Alex. That's my category. So, just to be clear, this is just over the last year. There's been a fifty percent drop 
in uh, science fiction and fantasy, specifically religious science fiction and fantasy. Right. So, so basically, in absolute terms, the uh, about in April 2017, the average sales rank across the top 20 titles that we take as a measure and track them, these positions, not individual books, but these bestseller rank positions we take as a measure and track them over time. Um, the average sales rank was around, for these 20 titles, around 6,000 out of 4.5 million books. And, you know, by October 2018, this year, it's been dropped down to like 14,000, 16,000. And it's been a very continuous downward movement. So it's not like an outlier. And th these are like streams and trends that one one has to look at. Yeah, I'm looking at the graph now. And uh, most of the data points are trending downwards. Now, does this mean that it's easier now to write a best-selling uh, Christian fantasy book or Christian science fiction book because the competition isn't as high. Is that another way to interpret this where the category is less competitive now? Well, uh, unfortunately not. We, we also have to look at the, at the level of competition separately. So what I just gave you is one measure, which is like a measure of demand, right? The, the sales rank of certain books and a whole category. That's a measure of demand. Now, the measure of supply is a, is a completely whole, is basically a whole different sheet of music because overall the supply for Christian books is about 450,000 titles or so, you know, overall in religion and spirituality. And the bulk of that is, is Christian literature. So it's a, it's a very competitive big market, many opportunities, many niches. But if you end up in one of the very big markets, then you will see that there is a lot of competition. So specifically to, to your question, I'm actually just looking in my database right now, you know, what is the level of competition for that very Christian, um, religious science fiction category as we talk right now? Right. Yeah, because there's two ways to think of the competition. There's competition in the how many titles am I competing against? How many other books are in this category? But there's also the sense of how good are the best books uh, that I'm competing against. And and so uh, th th what I was getting at is if the best books are performing worse than they used to in terms of how popular those books are, it may be easier to write a better book and, and to get back into that kind of group of top 20 books in your category that are doing well. But again, you know, how many people you're racing against in the marathon does affect <laughs> how likely you are to win the marathon, right? If you're in a marathon with 100,000 other people, you have to be a lot faster to win than if you're in a marathon with five people in your gym class. Exactly right. Now, if you take that very category we've been talking about, religion, uh, which is religion, spirituality, slash religious fiction, slash science fiction and fantasy, uh, we're talking right now about 6,500 uh, titles you compete with, which is basically a niche market. It's not that competitive. And uh, the number one bestseller right now or the number one position in the bestsellers right now is selling um, around 200 copies a day. So, you know, the top ones are still making like really, really a good, very good level of sales there. Yeah, 200 copies a day is nothing to sneeze at, as we would say here in Texas. Now, I should ask, I know a lot of Christian fiction is uh, of that romance category. So how's romance doing? Is it up? Is it down? Is it flat? Uh, how's Christian uh, romance been doing over the last year? Well, 
overall it's, it's been it's been doing actually pretty well factually it's probably over the last 12 months it's it's all uh, static but if you take like an 18 months uh trend religious romance has been up and also if we just look at the measure of what is the demand related to the level of competition then we have to say uh, all the religious and inspirational romance christian romance categories have been doing very very well um you know because the market is so there's a very high demand uh, which you know maybe part also owing to the demographics of kindle owners you know female um, 55 years and older you know is a big big segment of the kindle device owners although nowadays also many many people started reading uh books on the on the Kindle app that can obviously run on any device. Um, but still, there are many, many device owners who are female and probably 70, 75% of the device owners. So there is probably a natural tendency towards romance. And at the same time, the Christian market, Christian fiction market and religious fiction market is a huge market. So naturally, you have this nice overlap of romance and religious slash inspirational slash Christian themes. And that leads to the fact that you have quite a number of interesting book markets, such as, you know, biblical fiction, such as um, take things like Amish romance, all these things, or Western frontier romance, Christian frontier romance, that is selling very well in relation to the level of competition you're facing. So there are a couple of authors traditional hybrid or self-published who are making actually a, a, a very good income in all these mentioned categories. All right. Uh, we're, we're almost out of time, but I, I do want to talk just a little bit more about uh, popular categories as opposed to unpopular categories in terms of crowdedness. So what are some of, so we've been talking about mostly like what are the popular ones with readers? Like what are people wanting to read in? Um, but I also want to talk just briefly about what are some crowded categories as opposed to not crowded, crowded categories in terms of what are the authors wanting to write and, and uh, what are some hot, give us one or two uh, juicy nuggets of hot categories that are not, uh, not too crowded. Got you. Well, we, we basically segment the market in like three big chunks. We, we have what we call the hot cells cell standing for something that can still grow and become bigger. So these would be categories where you have less than 2000 titles in it. And within those, there are a couple that really stand out in terms of demand where they, where you have relatively high sales. So things like, um, religious mystery is, is a big one. Inspirational fiction, spirituality. It, it sounds like a big market, but the fact is religious and spirituality slash spirituality slash inspirational slash fiction is actually a very small category. We mentioned biblical fiction. It's, it's a very small market, but surprisingly good demand. Uh, religious women's fiction. These are like really small categories. And then you move into an area which uh, is really, really attractive, which we call like hot niches. And hot niches would be book markets where you have anything between like 2,000 and 10,000 titles. So not too small, not too big. And the ones that have like really good demand in, in Christian fiction would be um, Christian fiction westerns doing extremely well. 
Um, we have collections and anthologies, which is obviously an umbrella category within uh, within Christian fiction. But there you have a lot of these nice, you know, shorter series types of books, historical romance, as we said earlier, trending slightly down, but still from an absolute point of view, a very attractive um, very attractive market. And, and it's very it's very slightly down. I want to underline this. It's almost flat. So it's not like those other categories like science fiction, which had a 50% drop. It's like 4% drop. It's like if you look at a graph, it's just slightly down. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and it could pick back up next month. So don't be like, oh, my goodness, the sky is falling. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> so, uh, we're just looking at the data. Think, you know, things go up, things go down. And it's very likely, I'm hoping, uh, fantasy and science fiction will be more popular next year. I need some people to write some good fantasy books, uh, dragons and, uh, you know, monsters and, and uh, spaceships. Put them all together in one book. It'll be amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And then, you know, you have things like, things like say, contemporary ro- romance within Christian fiction, where also here, although it sounds like a big market from a supply point of view, it's, it's uh, not all too many. And what we see as a phenomenon is that what is trending well in general, so take the famous example of you have hot, steamy romance, you know, not Christian at all, <laughs> billionaire romance, which has been invading the Kindle market ever since this, what was that movie, Fifty Shades of Grey? And, you know, so it couldn't be further away from what you could label a Christian fiction book, right? But what you find as a phenomenon that these overall trends are then taken by some authors and say, well, what is a more, you know, what is more a cleaner version of that? Because, you know, the Cinderella theme that the the, the girl is being picked up by the billionaire is obviously, uh, you know, is a very popular romance trope. So you find things such as clean and wholesome romance, Christian romance, inspirational romance, where even the authors now put in the title, this is a clean billionaire romance. And and it could even be like a clean, clean Christian billionaire romance. You know what I mean? So what we see is that you have mainstream market developments that are then adapted to the particular Christian fiction audience. And some of these things are doing incredibly well. Because there's nothing new under the sun. I had an epiphany in the shower. I was thinking about it. We had watched Finding Nemo with my wife. And I realized that the story of Finding Nemo is the uh, it's the Odyssey within Marlin is Odysseus. He's going through all of these trials, trying to get back to his family. Oh, there <laughs> and, you go. And it uh, and I was like, oh my goodness, there's nothing new under the sun. This is actually a very old story, right? Um, the Lion King is just a retelling of Hamlet with animals in the jungle. And uh, so, don't feel bad about you know the fact that your story kind of goes along with these you know kind of epic stories of old right the the old story is getting retold uh, in each generation that's what storytellers do there's nothing wrong with that uh, in fact that's actually a really proven path to success take an old story right odysseus you know i don't want him fighting a cyclops instead i want him he's a fish and the cyclops is instead uh three sharks and the sharks are let's just spitball here they're in a recovery group to stop eating fish but one of you know you know you just play with it and suddenly it becomes something that feels very different and yet the overarching arc arc of the story is something that's uh very old Uh, so i I just find that fascinating. Yeah. Very well put. Very well put. 
<laughs> Very well put. So we, I know we just scratched the surface of your report here. Your report on the uh, state of Christian fiction is 60 um, plus pages, uh, but we are out of time. But for people who do want to read the full report and actually want to get in the data, maybe they're writing in a category that we didn't talk about, um, or they have um, questions about some other part of the market, uh, or parts we can't talk about on the podcast, because uh, my favorite page of your reports is the um, covers. So you'll have a page of the most popular covers over the last year, and you can kind of see what book cover uh, trends are, <laughs> which I think is really valuable. And there's no way you're like, I'm going to describe this book cover to you. There's no way to do that. Uh, so where can people find uh, more information about your report? Yeah, I'm, I mean, if you go to klytics.com, which is k-lytics.com, and then slash Christian fiction with a hyphen christian slash fiction there you can get access to the report but um thomas we're also gonna simply put a probably simpler link um at the bottom of the podcast so that people uh can also uh directly go to the page yes so if you just scroll down in your app i will put a link in the show notes for those of you who want to check out uh the report there uh alex thank you so much uh, for coming on uh the show i'd love to have you back next year to talk about what's changed i want to see how my my science fiction fantasy category does in 2019 i want to i want to see those numbers getting better so <laughs> well i keep my fingers crossed you write some good books and then we'll revisit the data in a year from now i look forward to it there we go thank you so much uh for coming on the show today thank you very much for having me our sponsor today is the Christian Writers Institute, and our course of the week is The Secret to Big Amazon Book Sales by C.S. Lankin. This is a course for self-publishing novelists who long to see their books hit the top of the bestseller list. It's a great companion to this episode. It's a 15-session video course, and as always, you can save 10% uh, off the cost by using the coupon code podcast on checkout. And we will have a link in the show notes to that course that will embed the coupon code for you. And some quick uh, housekeeping, we're going to go on hiatus for Christmas. So we won't uh, be on the air this week or next week, uh, the next couple of weeks, but we will be back in the new year with some very exciting episodes. And I just want to say thank you uh, to all of you who have listened, and especially thank you to those of you who've left reviews on iTunes or somewhere else along the web. That really helps this brand new show get out to more people. So I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., and I'll see you in the new year. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.